Welcome back to 40 Love, the tennis podcast where we go over everything that you need to know in tennis in 40 minutes or less. I'm Jonathan Strom, joined by Andrew Stewart. Andrew, how are you? I'm very good after that wonderful intro by House of Pain, my generation. Yes, and what have you been up to since we last spoke, Andrew? Lots of tennis, lots of writing, lots of sports, Jonathan. Okay, let's dive right into it. It's one of the busiest times on the tennis calendar, the month of January, the season just getting started. We're a weekend and already a lot has happened. There were some big events going on last week, including the ATP Cup, which we'll get to later in the show, but we're going to start with the Australian Open qualifying, which began last night briefly, and already a big story this season has been the conditions in Australia. There have been fires going on throughout the region. A lot of the players have pledged to donate money for aces or double faults or drop shots, all kinds of things, and the conditions were very poor in Melbourne last night for the qualifying. In fact, one player... Vialia Dietchenko was forced to retire due to coughing. Was it fair for these players to be playing in Melbourne when the country said that the citizens should be sitting inside? I do think it's fair, Jonathan. Um, you know, although some people weren't uh, buying that um, the player who withdrew uh, withdrew for valid reasons, I think it's fair for them to go out and, and have some concerns about what, what did you say? Fire causes smoke. Well, there's smoke, smoke yeah. Smoke causes coughing. And so if you look at the pictures, I mean, the conditions are... It's shocking to see compared to last year just how foggy and cloudy it is in Australia. And it's unfortunate that the players are getting... Having to deal with it. And also the ball kids and the lines people and the fans have to sit there. And it could be harmful for their health later on. It's hard to say now. A lot of people were upset on Twitter. Vashik Pospisil just tweeted that there needs to be a players union... For things whoa, like whoa, this. Whoa, I don't think that will ever happen. And But I feel for them because the temperatures in Australia are notoriously high during the tournament. I think uh, Jeannie's match was 30 degrees. Um, I don't know if they take into consideration the court temperature because, you know, it gets hotter down yeah, there. Even on hotter the on the court. With the players playing. So it's it's tough. I saw ice packs on you, not you, you, yes. who was playing Jeannie. Um, Jeannie had to leave the court. I don't think it was for the um, smoke in the Well, she mentioned that she was having a bit of trouble with it, but she was fine to play. And I think it was some other issues that she was facing while she took the medical time out. But an impressive win over Yu Jiadu of China. She was down and out in that match in a second set tie break, only three points away from losing the match. She won two matches last week. Do you think a match like this, where you really have to battle it out. Isn't that means more to a player, can help a player more than just a straightforward win? I think facing adversity does help you um, build some character. Uh, I would still be concerned about her slow start um, because that was part of the issue yesterday. But uh, when when all is said and done, she won. And for her, she needs to take anything she can get now, anything in the W column. Absolutely, and her ranking really needs it because she made the second round of this event last year, so she could drop to around 300 if she doesn't qualify. So she really needs these wins, and the big positive, I think, for her, and before we move on, just a quick point on her, is that she looked very fit towards the end of the match, compared to her opponent at least, and I think that bodes well for her going forward. Her next opponent will be Madison Inglis of Australia, who played a wild match 1917 in the third set tie break over Rebecca Sramkova, so she will also likely be feeling the effects of that long match, but they both have a day off. Uh, there's three Canadian men and one Canadian woman 
playing in the qualifying today. For the men, it's Steven Diaz, Braden Schnur, and Peter Polanski, and then 17-year-old Layla Annie Fernandez for the women. So we'll see if any of the Canadians can qualify. But let's talk about the week that was and some of the big names leading up to the Australian Open. And the big story has to be Serena Williams for the first time in nearly three years winning a WTA title. It's not a big event in Auckland that she won. Does it mean something more considering she hasn't won in so long? I think it does. I think when you start the year off, this isn't a tournament she normally plays, but when you start the kind of like what we were touching on with Jeannie, when you start the year off with a win, start the season off with a win, it's positive going into the big Aussie Open. So I'm glad she sort of got that one out of the way and can focus on being a, a quality player for this season. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if, you know, her first title, she lost five straight finals, four in the Grand Slams, if that will help her if she gets to the finals of a Grand Slam. Of course, her opponents were not as challenging in Auckland. You seem like she think you think she will for sure make the finals. No, I, I'm just stunned by the if. she gets, well, Serena gets the finals. She did not make the finals of this tournament, the Australian Open, a year ago. Injuries occur, as right. it did last year. But uh, the other tournaments, the other majors, she made finals. And so she I, is the odds-on betting favorite. And, I, and I, understandably, there's a bias I think Serena is the greatest tennis player alive. I think she will get the finals. I think she will win. And, um, you know, Margaret Court, watch out. Okay, so we'll have to see about that. So while Serena was in Auckland, there was an event in Brisbane, and this was an extremely strong event. Uh, Six of the top ten players were in it, and the final four were all playing at a super high level. Karolina Pliskova wins the title over Madison Keys. Uh, there was a crazy semifinal in which Pliskova saved a match point against Naomi Osaka. Anyone stand out to you at this event for good or for bad? Ash Barty did lose her first match at this event. Um, well, to, well, Ash Barty, I think, was distracted by um, the tragedies going on in Australia. I know she dis- was dedicating... Um, I don't know if it was per point, but... Um, well, she donated wins. all of her prize money, right. which she wasn't much, but she's from around Brisbane, so it was close to home for yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. So I think she was somewhat distracted. I would be a little concerned uh, about Naomi Osaka. I thought this was a tournament that she could win, and um, although it was a good match against Pushkova in the semi, it, it was still one that she lost. So um, I'm not sure where she's at. Yeah, and she's the defending champion, so the pressure will be on. But I think for her, it was good to get the matches in. For all the players, and for Barty, she picked up a really big win, actually, last night, or earlier this week, depending on when you're listening, in Adelaide, defeating Anastasia Pavlyuchenkova, 7-5 in the third. So, really important win for her to get that win and not go to the Australian Open with three losses. Uh, For Pliskova, she's considered the best player to never win a Grand Slam. She's actually won Brisbane three of the last four years. But it's unclear if she'll really be able to take that next step this year. 27-year-old is ranked number two in um, the WTA rankings. Um, I think it's a. this is her third uh, Brisbane win. Yeah, third, third in the last title. four years. She's dominated yes. the tournament, but it has not translated at the Australian Open. She made the semifinals last year. Right. But still only one Grand Slam final, so... To me, I don't think she's the type of player that is going to win a Grand Slam right now. There's just a lot of players that give her trouble. Her movement is still, it's improved a lot over the years, but it's not, I think, where it needs to be to compete with the Bardies and the Halops and then the bigger hitters. She struggles with as well a little bit. 
And she's older. Nothing's going to... You can't sort of reinvent the wheel. She is what she yeah, is. Yeah, she definitely so. is. And uh, a couple other names in Brisbane that stood out to me. One is Jen Brady, an American player who beat... From the Brady Bunch? Not Yes, from the Brady Bunch. Jen Brady. She looks like she's in terrific shape. And she beat Maria Sharapova. And then she beat Barty. And those are big wins over a Grand Slam champion. So she's someone I'm looking at. Another person who's been very disappointing is American Sloan Stevens, who had a bizarre loss in Adelaide to Arena Rodianova, the world number 201. She lost 6-2, 6-2, so differing American fortunes there. It's actually a big event in Adelaide. Simona Halep won her first match also last night. Are there any other women that stand out to you going into the Australian Open? Um, unfortunately, we didn't mention, I don't know if we're ever going to touch on it, Bianca withdrawing. That's unfortunate. She was somebody that I was... Uh, looking to carry forward her tremendous 2019 into 2020. Um, I have already stated my uh, thoughts about Serena and how she will do. Um, I do think Barty is going to have a good year. There's just something, I don't know. I, I think she last year was sort of under the radar. You know, she, this is a number one player who managed to float under the radar in my thinking, and I, I think she can really come into her own this year and sort of make a name for herself. Yeah, and she surprised people winning the French Open, not on her Certainly. best surface. And now I wonder if playing at the Australian Open as an Australian, we've seen different players, Sam Stozer, most notably, really struggle under that pressure. Of course, players have had success with their home tournaments, but we've even seen like Serena sometimes can face the nerves a little bit more in New York than other places. So do you think that's a factor for a player coming from a Grand Slam country? I think Stozer was a little bit older when she was um, going through that. 23 years old, I, I think she would relish the moment. I think because she's sort of had that year as number one, won some tournaments, but yet not the spotlight, and for me, I think that's kind of what has affected uh, Naomi Osaka. A little bit too much stardom, too fast, and has changed her, deviated her focus. I think some Barty is somebody who can step in and say, okay, I've had a taste of the tour, and now I'm ready to go and conquer. And I'm not sure if I agree with you that. You know, I think she's she did make the quarterfinals last year, but I think being number one in the world, being Australia's great hope, man or women, I think the pressure is on, and I think... We'll have to see how, what the draw looks like when she comes out, but I think she might struggle under the pressure. We've already seen her play tight matches. There's a lot of depth on the women's tour, and I think she's going to be someone who we'll have to see if she can handle the pressure, both being number one and being the local hero. I think Osaka is someone I would look at right now as outside of Serena, maybe the favorite to win. I was really impressed with her at the end of last year, and I think because she struggles so much on clay and grass, that skews how people view her because she has a lot of bad losses on those surfaces. But on the hard courts, she's definitely capable of putting things together. You mentioned Bianca Andrescu, so let's talk about her for a few moments. Is it concerning, and you mentioned this on the last podcast, that health is going to be the thing that gets in the way. So once again, for the second time in three Grand Slams, she's forced to pull out. How concerning does this need to be? Or is it she's just 19 and she's a long career ahead of her? And this is the right thing for her to do. I don't know. For me, if you take that um, approach that, oh, she's 19 and she's got a long career ahead of her, I feel that's the approach we took with Milos Raonic. And I think his career has been derailed by uh, frequent injuries. So I'm. Con it's a concern for me because I didn't see it coming. 
I totally thought she was going to enter this year fully healthy. And the next thing I know, I get an alert on my phone saying, saying she's withdrawn from the tournament. So I, she's had shoulder issues. She's had, um, I think it was arm issues. This is the knee that she injured in Shenzhen at the end of last year. At the year. end of last year. So I, I think it's a concern. So I would be worried if I were her team and I, if I were a fan of Bianca. I am a fan of Bianca. So yeah, I am worried. Well, but do you see it as a positive that she's pulling out of this event? I mean, people, some people think she waited too long or she came back too early last year at the French Open. And when she missed, the, when she was forced to withdraw after one match there, then she misses Wimbledon. Right. And she has proven she can take many months off and come back and win. She won the Rogers Cup with almost five months off. So is this more smart planning? I think it's smart planning for what you brought up. She's missed time and come back and not missed a beat once the tournament starts. If that's... The, the nature of her future, I think that's a good step. Serena was similar. Serena could just miss some time not playing, you know, millions of tournaments that the other um, players do and focus when she's in there and win. I think Bianca, has, you have to have this a certain mindset, and I think she has that mindset. Well, I will say Serena, when she played, she played the Grand Slams, and she played the 2007 Australian Open, totally not fit. She ended up winning that tournament, one of her greatest moments. And right now, Bianca is missing the Grand Slams, and ideally, that's when you want to be most healthy. So I think there is a bit of concern that it's not like she's been playing every week and it's been building up. I mean, she's been off for over two months, so not clearly a fast healer, or maybe the injury is more significant than we were led to believe. Yeah. But I think ideally, you want to be ready for the Grand Slams, and the French Open is still very far away. It's in May, so we'll see how much she plays before then, if she's going to be able to defend her Indian Wells title I think that probably should be the goal to play there, take another six weeks off if you have to. But 19 years old, I will cut her some slack and say, smart decision, come back when you're healthy and make your run. And when she is back, I think she's going to be a threat right away. And at the French Open, there's no reason why she can't win this. So she's, she does have a long career ahead of her, even if it is Milos Vranich-like, which hopefully it's not. Right. There's still a lot of tournaments to be played, and Milos does play all the Grand Slams. Typically, that's what he tries to prepare for. Let's move on to the men after the first week for the women. And it was a new tournament, the ATP Cup, won by Serbia. Novak Djokovic won all six matches. Um, the tournament was a bit, you know, strange in its format and its setting. It didn't draw the number of fans maybe that, you know, the Hopman Cup drew in Perth previously. Do you have any initial takeaways from this event? I know Rafa had some concerns about the tournament. It was too close to... Um What's the other tournament? The Australian Open is what's coming up. That's what's too close coming to. Up. Is that what he was saying? I think so, yeah. I mean, if you watch the end of the matches, I mean, Djokovic is giving it his all. They're playing everyday long matches. And I do wonder if that's going to affect Djokovic and Nadal, who had to play so much. They're not used to... Sometimes they don't even play before the Australian right. Open. Now they're playing this extremely competitive, high-intensity matches for their country. So at this point, it's not sure if playing it will have an effect on them. Right. And for Spain, you know, you know, the points are also a bizarre circumstance. Spain's second best player, Roberto Bautista Agut, he won three matches against guys that are not in the top 100, and he barely gets anything for that. And then you have Denis Shapovalov, who won only two matches, but they were against top 10 players, so he gets more points. So there's a very convoluted point system, and it's unclear if, you know, for a guy like Bautista Agut, who's a top 10 player, if playing against such inferior opponents is a good setup also. So it's pretty unclear at this point for the event. 
the tournament that I was thinking of was the Davis Cup. Doesn't yes. the Davis Cup preceded the... Well, the um, Davis Cup is the last match, or the last, of last event of, of the year. And both yeah. events are kind of... The Davis Cup just totally restructured what it's doing. So it's the one long week in Madrid at the end of the year. This ATP Cup is a new thing that's unaffiliated with it. And there are a lot of stakes, but the stakes are different for everyone. So what Rafa's saying, he thinks they should both get together and make one big world tournament and that would make it easier on the players maybe focus more on bringing fans in and and ha just have everybody playing under one roof but everybody playing one tournament instead of these like you said going all out rafa played a lot jokers played a lot going all out and then boom here we are with the atp going all out and then boom right after that is the australian open yeah and i think it is I think there are things that need to be fixed, like, you know, like the scheduling. I don't, you know, there's also the Labor Cup, which is Roger Federer's event. There's also the Olympics this year. So that's going to be four team tournaments this year. I think True. it's, yeah. there has to be a way to not have these events every year or find a way to swap them in and out, not have them on Olympic years. And there's also the problem of the women were not included at all. And I think we saw last year when Roger Federer and Serena Williams played doubles together, at the Hotman Cup, that is what gets fans yep. the most excited, seeing stars from both sides collide. In this case, they're totally separate. In Brisbane, the women, you know, the number one player in the world, Barty, and everyone else, weren't even able to play on the main stadium because the men had it all week. So, Yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of that. I, I think, you know, top players from the men's side, women's side, should be playing in, in together in one tournament. I don't know how difficult that is it's obviously difficult way past my pay grade to come up with a solution for that but i think that's something that should be looked at you're divided you're dividing the fans attention yeah, and the most popular tournaments whether it's the grand slams or the hopman cup previously or indian wells have both the men and women at the same right. event and the fans can watch and it's the same for both men and women just a normal tournament or a team tournament and the itf and the atp and the wta have not quite figured that out yet uh, let's talk about some of the players. We'll start with Team Canada, who made the quarterfinals. They lost um, to Serbia. Djokovic beat mm -hmm. Denis Shapovalov in a very tight match. Has to be an extremely uh, encouraging week for Shapovalov, who defeated Stefano Tsitsipas and Alexander Zverev. He did lose the two matches, one to Djokovic, one to Alex Dimnar. But for my opinion, I think he looks like a threat to really beat anyone right now outside of the big three. Do you agree with that? I totally agree. I think those, it was almost like coming of age matches, if I can say, um, for him. I, I really liked the way he handled himself during that match, during those matches. It wasn't like he sort of sat back and let it come to him. He took it to those guys. So I was really happy with the way he played. Yeah, I think right now he's playing the best tennis of his career and he has this unique ability to hit the ball with just as hard as almost anyone in the world. But, you know, because of his size, you know, not being the biggest guy at 5'10", 5'11", right. maybe six feet, he also has the movement, tremendous mover. He can get to everything. And he's starting to finally kind of put it all together and have the consistency with the movement, with the power. And I think, you know, a lot of people have said, you know, a teenager will never win a Grand Slam again. Someone under six feet will never win a Grand Slam again. But I think he's making the case. And since we last spoke, this week has really, you know, made me think that, the ceiling is a lot higher for him than maybe I believe previously. The person who I said could be world number one one day, Felix Auger-Aliassime, had a really dreadful event. He lost matches handily to you know guys like John Millman, Dusan Lajevic, Jan Leonard Struff, just not very competitive in those matches. 
Again, he's 19. Should there be concern for the way he's playing? Well, or is what, it just a short-term problem? He was coming off of injury. Um, was he fully healthy playing those matches? Well, you would hope so after the offseason. I don't think there were injuries last year at the end of the year. He was definitely struggling, and you hope in the offseason to correct some of those struggles. It was a, you know, it was a very poor start. Poor start. I'll agree with that. But going back, like we were talking about um, Bianca, 19 years old. I, I will, I will, teenagers, I'm going to give, I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt. They're trying to figure it out. And 23, I think uh, Shapo is. Tw- only 20, actually. Is he only 20? Yes. You're, you're still trying to, when you're a teenager, you're still trying to figure it out. And I'm a big believer in confidence. You could have all the skill in the world, um, you know, be the biggest guy, be the strongest guy, whatever it may be. But if you don't have that inner confidence and that belief in the talent and the arsenal that you have, you're not going to be successful. And I think Dennis has figured it out. And I think Felix just has to overcome that last hurdle to be successful. Yeah, and I will say last year, Shapoval was really struggling in the middle of the year. So it's normal for these young players to struggle. So I think his long-term prospects are not changed because of the way he's played this past week and the weeks prior. But I do think the short-term is not you know, I don't think you can expect much of him at the Australian Open. But would it shock you if he ended up in a semifinal or a at quarterfinal? These, at this Australian at Open, this Australian I would be Open. shocked given his he, form this year. And, peaks and valleys with I teenagers. understand that, but he has won two matches at Grand Slams in his career, and his form is not very good. I think it's going to take more work to, you know, could he win a couple matches? Sure. To, you know, his draw opens up, gets confidence. I mean, you win one match, that's all it takes sometimes. That's all it takes, yeah. But I think... To expect a run, I'd be surprised, but we'll have to wait and see what the draw looks like. Uh, Felix is in action this week. He's in uh, Adelaide, where the women are also playing. He's effectively the top seed. He's the two seed, but the number one seed, Diminar, pulled out. And I'm just taking a look at his draw right now. I believe he plays James Duckworth in the first round, so that's an opportunity for him to maybe gain some confidence going into the Australian Open. And this week in Adelaide, he does play Duckworth. I think could potentially give him confidence, but you lose to Duckworth and then, you know, maybe yeah. things are worse. Yeah. Um, one quick uh, all-Canadian matchup tonight in Auckland. Mm-hmm. Dennis Shapovalov and his uh, Davis Cup teammate Vashik Pospisil are playing. What do you, any thoughts on that one? Pospisil looked really good beating Joel Sosa earlier in the week. Like Kevin Garnett said after the Boston Celtics won their world championship, anything is Pospisil. <laughs> Vashik is is one of those guys who can he come out like gangbusters and have a great tournament. He can, uh, you know, make it. He's somebody again. I think he could make a deep run, and I, I would be surprised. I could see that. You know, I'm happy for him after all the injuries, after somebody who looked so promising and then sort of dropped off the radar. Um, he showed up in Davis Cup and was a warrior, and I, I hope he does well. I, I like Vashik Pospisil. So I like his attitude. I do too, and I think he has a real shot in this one. This is going to be a great match. These two are playing very well. They finished the year so strong. Good friends. Good friends. Yeah, they're teammates for the Davis Cup and probably for the Olympics also this summer for the first time. They'll be teammates. And an opportunity for Vashik to pick up a statement win heading into the Australian Open. And for Shapovalov to continue his good form, I do wonder if uh, playing the week before the Australian Open is a mistake for Shapovalov. So a loss might not be the worst thing in the world, but... An opportunity for him to pick up some more points and some more money. Uh, before we finish things off, Andrew, I want to talk about a player you might not have heard of. 
It's a new segment, unnamed. Unnamed, let's go. Okay. It's a new player you've never heard of, and his name is Emil Rusevori. This is someone I'm looking at for this Australian Open and for this season. He's from Finland. He's 20 years old. And this past week at the Canberra Challenger, which has moved to Bendigo d- during the fires, he picked up wins over Remkumar Ramanthan, who's a former top 100 player, Yannick Sinner, who's considered maybe the best young player or the player most likely to break through this year. He beat Taro Daniel, Dominic Kopfer, Dennis Kudla, and then lost in the finals to Philip Kohlschreiber, a very good player in three sets. He's ranked 104 in the world, very quiet 104 just 20 years old. So that's someone I'm looking at and I'm interested to see in a couple weeks if that was a good kind of person that you've never heard of to look at. Someone you've never heard of who may become someone you've heard of. Exactly. That is what we're looking for. Andrew, any more thoughts on what's coming up in tennis, what happened in the past? Big picture, small picture. Hey, we can recap on uh, Bianca's wonderful season and a hopeful return to health for 2020, I think she can do big things once she gets back. I am hoping that uh, Australia, um, positive vibes I'm sending out to you guys. Hopefully the fires, uh, you know, get taken care of uh, and nobody anymore is injured. And I'm looking forward towards a, a good Australian Open. It's one of my favorite tournaments. I love to see the guys and the ladies suffer in the heat. Should and be a good one. Should be good, yeah. And just quickly before we go, the Australian Open qualifying. Here are the matchups tonight at 6 o'clock. Braden Schnur plays Sebastian Offner. Uh, Steven Diaz plays Darian King of Barbados. And then later on in the night, Peter Polanski plays Alexander Muller. So pretty solid draws for all of them. 17-year-old Layla Annie Fernandez um, looks to join Jeannie Bouchard in the second round of qualifying when she plays on Patricia Maria Tig, which will be a very tricky matchup for her I'm in her first Grand that. Slam qualifying. So that's tonight. And then the main draw, we'll be back with you next week to talk about the main draw. We'll talk about the early rounds, the draw, the Canadians. Kyrgios, we got to find out what happens to Kyrgios. Kyrgios, yeah. It'll be interesting to see after he had a pretty solid week at the ATP Cup. We'll be talking a lot about him. Can he make his breakthrough? So all that and more will be coming up on 40 Love. For Andrew Stewart, I'm Jonathan Strom. We'll talk to you next time. Take care.